Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are talking about Visions Season 2. We actually got to watch all of the episodes together uh, because Alex was in Nashville for the Eras tour, which we are also going to talk about. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that our Mando Season 3 episode, as of recording this video, came out this morning. <laughs> And that's okay, because we've just been busy with the Eras tour. Yes. Um, but I will say, like, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, because I'm going to try to put this video out, like, on time. But if you haven't listened to that video yet, I really enjoyed going back and listening, because, like, it just reminded me of a lot of things about Mando. So that was very, very interesting. But I also went back and rewatched all of Visions yesterday and this morning. And honestly, I think I like season two better than season one. Yes, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think there was just like, it was just interesting getting perspective from different countries. Yes. Yeah. And we'll get into that as well. Like just seeing these different sides of Star Wars and these different perspectives being shown. I do think that there's some episodes in season one that I like better, but as a whole, season two just was so good. So as far as recommendations go, um, Alex got a fun surprise this weekend. Yeah, I so I went to see The Last Jedi in concert with the Toronto uh, Symphony Orchestra. Um, I had no idea I was going here, but it was an amazing surprise. It was great watching this movie again, because I think the last time I watched it, it was after The Rise of Skywalker, but I felt sad watching it. So it's been a long time <laughs> since I watched it, um, but I really was able to let go of the Rise of Skywalker on this watch and just enjoy the movie for what it is and obviously enjoy the score, the music with the live orchestra. Um, the composer, sorry, not the composer, the conductor um, prefaced the whole concert with saying, you know, like, guys, this is like the toughest um, score to play. Wow. That um, the only, the, the, the shortest break that the musicians would have in the whole movie was 88 seconds. Wow. That, the, that there's music basically this entire film. Like, I mean, that does make me think of, you know, like when The Last Jedi came out, they released like a score only version. Mm hmm. That's so cool. So, yeah, apparently it was a very it's a very demanding score to be played. I, I really like what you said about how you were able to, like, let go of Tross, because that's what I was wondering, because I also haven't watched The Last Jedi since Tross came out. And I just remember being, like, so depressed watching. Yeah, I think also it was just the environment of, mm -hmm. like, the specific situation, whereas I was watching the movie. Yeah. Um, so, but I, so I don't, I've heard that a lot of symphony orchestras are bringing back the Star Wars in concert thing with the, the sequel trilogy and some, I think Chicago is doing The Force Awakens this year and then The Last Jedi next year. So really like look out for that in your city because it's truly amazing. Um, if you get the opportunity to see it in concert, like do, it's worth the money, like re really great. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, and I was looking for Nashville because Nashville did do Star Wars in concert. Right now they're doing Harry Potter. They're going to do Black Panther. So they don't have anything announced mm -hmm. for Star Wars yet, but I'm definitely going to keep it's an eye out. It's probably going to pop up. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out. I um, was going to say, I also saw Return of the Jedi, uh, not Return of the Jedi, Return of the King 
in concert in Ottawa in March, but it was in like an arena. So the acoustics were nowhere <laughs> as good as they were for The Last Jedi because The mm-hmm. Last Jedi was in like a concert hall, like made for an orchestra. That's good. That's awesome. So I think we need to uh, get this part out of the way before we talk about um, the big thing before Visions. Um, (laughs) So Jedi Survivor is out. Um, Neither one of us are quite finished with the game yet. Alex is almost done watching. Um, I'm like, I'm I'm watching like a playthrough that's like seven hours. It's like a cinematic playthrough. And I'm like halfway through. Um, It's so good, guys. Yeah. it really is. And how now now that you started it, like how do you feel about Battle Scars relating to it? It doesn't even exist. Like I just the vibe is so like completely different. Like they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. It's, it's really strange to me. It's very strange. Like I I could almost see it fitting in maybe like very early after the first game, maybe. Like, that's still, like, a big maybe, because I still feel like Marin and Cal, like, don't feel like the characters from the first game. And I, I really do feel like the book that came out before Survivor should have been about the team breaking up. Yeah. Because they, they aren't together, and it's been, as they express, like, it's been years since they've seen each other. Like, it's been, like, five years. And I have really liked in the game exploring their reasons for leaving and it's really fascinating because at the end of the day cal feels abandoned because like he expresses like the fight is all i know and like they don't want to fight and like i don't know what else to do i would have loved to see that explored in a book and that's just not what we got i like it kind of reminded me of guardians of the galaxy 3 a little bit I I can see I can see that yes we didn't put that on our recommendations but oh, we should have yeah. we should have so yeah we we also saw Guardians um honestly it was very good it's one of my favorite MCU movies I'm not kidding yeah I I feel like I, my emotions still get a little conflicted because of um Chris Pratt just a little bit yes but I really liked I actually did really like Star Lord in this movie um it's Rockets movie 100 percent um and it was very good. But anyway, back to Survivor. <laughs> I just, it's just so, it's so good. And I remember, like, from editing Mando, like, you were saying that you were so hesitant to say, like, that you were really enjoying it because it could still hurt you. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel now that you're, like, almost to the end? Um, I'm feeling really good and knowing, like, having talked to people who have finished it, who feel really good about it, I'm, like, good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they did it like with writing such a compelling Star Wars story but they just they really hit it out of the park and I hope we get more books that are a little bit closer to the story from the game because Mm -hmm. there's just there's so much that they could do with this time period these characters and everything I wonder if um Survivor was written by the same person as Fallen Order I don't actually know I should look into that when we do our survivor episode but it just like feels consistent and like similar way to how all the guardians movies are written by this by james gunn by the same person like it's just the characters are consistent Mm -hmm. that's always what's so telling is like the characters themselves and like you can tell like when we talked about manda like you can tell when like they get lost and things like that so far like Cal's character really shines. Marin's character really shines. I love seeing what's done with Seer. Like, I'm 
really excited to finish it so that we can talk about it. Our next episode will be Jedi Survivor, and I'm, I'm really, really excited for that. So, the elephant in the room. Alex and I went to the Arrows tour. <laughs> How does it feel to have seen God perform? Like, it was a religious experience. And also, can I just say, like, every single night in Nashville was iconic in its own way. Yeah, it was. We went to night two, so... Mm. Um, Arguably the tamest night. Yeah, I, like, that is true. So night one got the Speak Now announcement. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And we were bracelet making while this was happening. (laughs) Um, And we put the live stream on just just to hear the... um, the secret songs, and that's when Speak Now got announced. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, Taylor like, Nation went live. Yeah, so we Taylor. Knew. Yeah, Taylor Nation went live, which they haven't for any other show. So we were like, "Oh no, something's happening." <laughs> um, our friend that we went with is like the biggest Speak Now fan that we know, and she was devastated. She was devastated. <laughs> Honestly, like we were one s- night off of that announcement. Ever since that got announced, I feel like one of the surprise songs has been devastating to her, though. Yeah, because <laughs> we didn't, we didn't actually get a Speak Now song, but we were sandwiched between Speak Now songs, I think. did Was mm-hmm. there one on night three? No, but it was would have, could have. Oh, which, yeah. is like rela- <laughs> it, which is related to Speak Now. Yes. yes. So it was devastating. Um I'm happy with our surprise song. I love our surprise song. So we got out of the woods and she, in air quotes, messed up. But I think she really just messed up so that she could do the bridge again, Mm -hmm. which was like, that is such a fun bridge to hear with everybody in the room. Like, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. And we got 15 and and her her best friend, Abigail, was there who inspired the song. And she changed the lyrics just a little bit to, like, make it more about how, like, they're good now. They made it through. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really touching. It was. It was really cute. Well, and, like, the videos of Abigail, like, she was so surprised and, like, that was so cute. We also got Nothing New, which um, they've been performing every night that Phoebe has been there. That was my, like... Surprise if I don't song. get this song, but, I'm gonna but, jump like, song. <laughs> we got it like permanently for all yes. the Phoebe songs now. Yes. Uh, Phoebe uh, dates. Um, so that's great. We and, also got Boy Genius. Okay. I feel really special about that because yes. Boy Genius is not performing in Philly. No. And they performed but, in Nashville. I know. I don't know if Julian's busy, but. Lucy is in Philly. Yeah, she Lucy was there. Lucy was at the show. Mm-hmm. And, and Phoebe still sang a Boy Genius song alone last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. We really won by seeing Boy Genius. Yeah, that was so cool. And, like, I've now gotten into Boy Genius because I wasn't before. Like, I was a Phoebe fan, but I hadn't listened to Boy Genius. And so, like, I love that we got that moment. Um, mm-hmm. There was also... <laughs> Somebody else in Phoebe's band. I mean, if you're if you're Taylor Swift fan, you know we've been going through it. (laughs) Um, you know she may have a new boyfriend. 
I don't know. But he was there. I still think it's a lie. I still think. Okay. So like Maddie Healy. And like if you're not. We're going to say his name. I am. We're saying his name. We're saying his name. If you're not up on the Taylor drama, we're not going to get into it. But like Maddie Healy was there. And like we joked. Like what if. No, I like I felt like so confident that after those. So the tabloids saying, you know, like they're together and like. At that point, I'm like, this is funny. They're like, this isn't it's true. Funny. Like, yeah. Haha. But I'm like, you know what would happen is that Taylor and Maddie, both of them are very much like trolls and like love that kind of stuff. And like, I'm like, Maddie's going to show up. It would we, be the we funniest thing. That. We're like, Matt, Maddie's going to show up even if he's in the UK. And he wasn't even in the UK. He was in Asia. Yeah. He was, he came all the way from Asia to Nashville. <laughs> And so he was at the shows. He was just in the tent for night one. But for our night, he was on stage with Phoebe Bridgers playing guitar or pretending to play the guitar. Like (laughs) pretending to play guitar. Yeah. Um, No, but like when she introduced the band, she just introduced him as like one of the band members. There was no fanfare. It was so funny. Mm -hmm. And like the funniest thing is we so we had a bit of an obstructed view. So when um, Phoebe Bridgers was on stage, we couldn't see her when she was on the main stage near the screens, only when she came out. So the band was back there. So we couldn't see them on stage, but we could see them when the camera was on them. So you, I don't know, like, if you guys weren't watching the camera as, as closely as I was, like, the screens. <laughs> but I was like, guys, I think I just saw Maddie Healy in one of the <laughs> skeleton onesies. And you guys are like, what? I'm what? like, just watch the screen. I'm like, watch it. Like, it's bound to come back to him. Like, it's bound. <laughs> And then, yeah, it was him. He was just always, like, just in the background. It was so funny. And he, like, barely looks like he was playing guitar. He just, like, looked, like, out of, like, out of it. He was literally just, like, sitting there, just vibing. (laughs) Yeah. So, but then he did it again the night three. He did. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just so funny to me. Well, and then, so, night three was the Great Flood, Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm glad we were not at that show. I am too. Like, apparently a lot of, um, like, the students at my school were at night three, which I already Mm -hmm. cannot believe because um, it's a school night. But anyway, um, yeah, like she, the fact that Taylor still came out and performed her entire show, like the show started like four hours late. She was performing until like almost 2 a.m. Like, that's some dedication and like mm-hmm. those fans deserved it and then they got woulda coulda shoulda and like that is such an amazing song to get like and Aaron Dessner was there too to play oh, yeah. it oh yeah that was that was the kicker that Aaron mm-hmm. was there yes yeah but we had such a good time like we made so many bracelets we got to go see the bench in Centennial Park and they planted a willow and we got to see the Taylor Swift installation uh, in the Country Music Hall of Fame. Like, it was just such such a fun time. Like, we, it was so mm-hmm. great. Like, there's not a bad seat in the arena, like, in the stadium. No. We had obstructed view, and it, we, like, I feel like we saw a great view. Mm-hmm. I got really good videos of just, like, the light-up bracelets going off mm-hmm. in well, the whole stadium. we could see, like, the effects on the stage really well. Like, honestly, the only things we couldn't see is, like, 
the stuff that she'd play like on the main stage screens, like yeah, Lover House, Champagne and things like Problems. That. Yeah, yeah. That's really it. Like we saw everything else, mm-hmm. and it was it was so fun. And Alex gets to go again, literally in a week. Yeah, I'm going on um, night three in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. And so I was joking. I was like, I'm going on the Lord's Day. So like, she's going to take me to church on a Sunday. <laughs> You're right, though. You're right, though. She is. She is. <laughs> um, my prediction is that I don't know if my night's going to get it. I think she's going to do Maroon and Foxborough. Ooh. Because Maroon is like Harvard's colors. That Yeah, I get that. I do see that. I do see that. Do you have anything like specific that you are yearning for or do you not want to put that energy into the world um well i mean i did manifest out of the woods you did (laughs) well you also manifested nothing new and one of our friends manifested teardrops but for the previous night (laughs) for the wrong night yeah (laughs) um i don't know getaway car maroon um I mean, I would have liked to see Gold Rush, but I knew I was going to lose it to Philly. Like, I knew that. Oh, question? I would question. (gasps) The bridge of question Mm -hmm. is, like, one of my favorites. It's so, so good. Yeah. trying to think. There's no songs of hers that, like, actually, like, say anything about Boston or Massachusetts, so... No, I mean, we thought we were going to get... I think um, he knows. Yes, because of 16th Avenue. So, like, mm-hmm. honestly, she could have probably done it in any city. Because every city has a 16th Avenue. <laughs> 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 All right, well, to get into Visions now. Um, so this came out on May the 4th along with Young Jedi Adventures. And we watched the first six episodes on... May the 4th, which was really, really exciting. And then we watched Mm -hmm. the other three um, later on in the week. And I just want to echo, like, what we said earlier. Like, as a whole, this season is so good. And I honestly do think it's because of not only the diversity in style, but the diversity in studio. Mm -hmm. Because we just get to see so many perspectives and interpretations. And to me, like, that's Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. our, our Star Wars group is full of people from, like, different countries. So to see that was just really cool. Yeah, something for every fan. Because, it like, in the 70s when Star Wars came out, it was a global phenomenon. And it's interesting, especially in the special features for this. You see all these directors say, oh, I, you know, I remember seeing the prequels as a kid with my friends after school. And that's how I got into the franchise or another director who saw, you know, um, Star Wars in 1977 in Spanish, in Spain, and how it's, you know, inspired each of them in their personal lives and then in their creative lives. Yeah, well, because it just really speaks to there is no one, like, way to experience Star Wars. There's no one, like, oh, I saw it in 1997, or 1977, so, like, I am the Star Wars fan. Or, like, there's no one way to watch it. There's no one way to be introduced to it. And so it really felt like this season was speaking to that. Because, like, part of Visions is that these stories aren't necessarily canon. Like, they exist kind of in their own universe it's just taking place within like the star wars sandbox and 
that's really cool because it's there's no way of saying like that's not how the Jedi works. It's like, but they could. And like this is how I experience it. And I just I really, really love that. So I think going into it, I remember you were super excited for episode two, which was Cartoon Saloon. Yeah. So um Cartoon Saloon is in Kilkenny, Ireland. Mm-hmm. And they um the studio that I work at and Cartoon Saloon created a sister studio together also in Kilkenny called Lighthouse. So I just like I'm like excited because Cartoon Saloon kind of has a partnership with my work. So Yeah. I was excited about it. Oh man, could you imagine if you had got if your studio had gotten a short Oh my gosh, yeah. Come to Canada. Like mm-hmm. Canada like a Canadian, I know, like a Canadian-inspired Star Wars story would be really cool. That would be so, so cool. Because, like, yeah, there was a, a stunning lack of Canadian on this. But maybe season three. That would be oh, amazing. Oh, no. I, like, the studios that they chose were incredible. Perfect. Yes. I, I think that, um, you know, approaching a Canadian studio to do something would be really interesting. And I would love to see, like where they would take the inspiration from. I think that um, taking inspiration from the North, like Mm -hmm. especially like the territories would be really cool. Bringing in like Aurora Borealis, like um, native, like native inspired stories would be really cool. That would be really, really cool. So I guess we will start from the beginning. Um, The first episode is called Sith. um, And this is from a Spanish studio um, from Spain. And I do want to say that I feel like Sith and the duel from the first season echo each other really well. Mm-hmm. And this one, ah, oh, it was so creative, so beautiful, very Spider-Verse style. Yeah. It was uh, such an opener. Yeah, I was like shocked by how different visually this episode was. It's very um, just like creative and artistically inspired, like in the sense that the whole episode is like a painting. Mm-hmm. And like this um, force sensitive girl is also also has this artistic side and she, you know, pushes, I guess, her like light side energy through her art. Like she manifests it through her artwork. Yeah. Well, she's, like, living in this, like, basically artistic landscape where it's a blank canvas. Like, everything is just white Mm -hmm. until she interacts with it and you see all this color. And immediately when we're introduced to her, she's having a nightmare and there's, like, streaks of darkness coming from her. And it doesn't take very long for it to be revealed that she was a former Sith and she ran away from that and the Sith are now coming back for her. Um, for her to fulfill, you know, what was promised to them and things like that. And I really love that at the beginning of this episode, she is trying to work on one of her paintings and it's Sith eyes and there's this darkness coming from it and she's trying to paint over it and she can't do it. And the theme was, and I pulled this quote, is that light and darkness are both part of the painting. So in the end, she embraces both sides. And to see that as well represented, and she gets a double-sided saver where one side is yellow and the other side is red, and her just embodying that light and dark balance, Mm -hmm. it was so beautiful. Yeah, I love that they started 
visions with this episode. It was a really strong starting point and just like thematically very in your face. Mm-hmm. But like I appreciated that. Like really um I don't know. Sometimes Star Wars fans get weird about, you know, the th- themes of balance and that light dark energy so i i remember specifically like after the last jedi because there was a big call for like gray jedi Mm -hmm. and a lot of fans being upset and saying you know like those don't exist like it's not real like that can't happen and so to see how it could be represented in something like this was really cool because like one of the things we've expressed that we want is like ray falling to the dark side like going on a rampage things like that and I think that this shows that potential. I, I pulled two specific themes out of this season, and this episode shows the first one, and it's how Tross could have been better. And it's just <laughs> like, and I and I mean that like so sin- so sincerely. Like I, I feel like the problem that Star Wars kind of digs itself into a lot is that cut and dry. Like you're either light or you're dark, and this one shows like you can't be one or the other. Like you have to have both. You have to balance both. Yeah, I I found her very similar to Ahsoka, like, and especially with the line at the end where she says, I am no Sith, like, that was, like, directly related to Ahsoka's I am no Jedi. Yeah, there, there's a lot in here where it's, typically we see it with, like, a Jedi lens and they flipped it to more of, like, mm-hmm. a Darksider lens. More of that. I hope that Acolyte is kind of like that. I feel like if anything's going to, it's going to be Acolyte, right? Mm-hmm. More of this, yeah. <laughs> I also like what you pulled. So um, the voice actor who played the Sith used a mask in the booth. Yeah, it was pretty cool looking. It looked like kind of similar to the one the animated character had. So I guess mm-hmm. to create that like muffled voice through a mask. That's really cool. Yeah. I like I, I like that like dedication because mm-hmm. that was a like their fight in the ship and how the ship goes from being like cast in like red and black to like that color again it's just so creative like it was so so cool the other cool thing about this episode is that they cast voice actors who uh did both the spanish and the english voice recording that's awesome like that's like then that's how it should be when Mm -hmm. we're showing like this diversity in studio as well So the next one, uh, episode two, is called Screechers Reach. So this was the Cartoon Saloon, which was in the um, Irish studio. Uh, I also was looking forward to this one because I watched Wolf Walkers on Alex's recommendation. And it's very, you know, Celtic mythology and things like that. And to see that brought in to Star Wars was really, really cool. Like this idea of like a banshee in the woods. I, I loved that. Yeah. They were really inspired by Celtic mythology. Also, um, you know, like the sad reality of workhouses in Ireland. Um, They also said uh, like 80s childhood adventures, I guess like kind of akin to like the Goonies and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that. Yeah. And then also the director was a really, really big fan of the cave scene in Empire Strikes Back. And he wanted to create like a Sith version of Yoda's test. And that's just so interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I loved seeing, like, when we're introduced to the main character, like, her name is Doll. Like, they're working in a workhouse, and she's, 
you know, tired of it. She wants a better life. And she has this like weird amulet around her neck telling her, you know, like the test is in your mind and things like that. And she decides that they're going to go out to Screecher's Reach and she's going to go into the cave. She's going to face the ghost that's there. And she brings like two friends along with her. And from the second that she enters the cave, like not only does it feel very Empire Strikes Back, but I also feel like it felt very Last Jedi with Rey entering the cave. Yeah. And she goes in and like, face a test like for herself and it it is really interesting that it was a sith test like she got sent in there to kill like what i'm assuming was like an old sith lord who was still living in this cave and it honestly on the second watch was really sad to see like this sith lord be taken down because she was a banshee like she was just screaming in her misery and it like I never would have thought we'd see something like that, especially like when you're introduced to this like cartoony style. Like that mm-hmm. was so unexpected. Yeah. I do also have to say like on that cartoony style, cartoon saloons, like cr- like artistic, like animated style is so gorgeous. And like when I see it, I just like think about Ireland, the way that it just like inspired by like Celtic art the way that the lines are like um, sharp and then curved, like straight and curves a lot. Very, um, I don't know how to explain it, but like intentional, like fluid designs. Mm -hmm. And it's also hand-drawn. Like I'll, I'll probably talk about some of these studios, but the last one, like Sith was CG, but then Screechers Reach, Cartoon Saloon does hand-drawn animation like, but in digitally, so they'll have like Cintiqs, like tablets that they draw on. Um, so they're not necessarily using like rigging as much as some of the other studios will. And that's just like so cool because it's not only is it like a different artistic style, but it's a different style of animation altogether. And I really think that when you see the Banshee, like you see the Sith Lord for the first time, Mm -hmm. you can really feel that hand-drawn quality. Like I'm a huge fan of like horror. And a lot of the times like you'll see pictures in horror movies where it's like a lot of black scribbles and like things like that. Mm -hmm. And that with like the lightsaber was very like, yeah, it was very, very cool to see. I really, really liked that. Cartoon Salon also does a lot of symmetry, like similar to Wes Anderson. Like they really like, doing symmetrical stuff Mm -hmm. it's just like pleasing to the brain (laughs) i also want to point out um did you also feel like some anakin vibes with doll yeah totally yeah i i kept thinking of like and like slave anakin and if qui-gon had never come and instead he you know had like Palpatine or some other Sith, like whispering in his ear, I think it would have played out very similar to this. And like, this is that other theme that I picked up on. And it's Mm -hmm. um, basically like taking children, whether it's for the Sith or for the Jedi or like the Empire taking them, but it's children being taken from their culture and from their Mm -hmm. families. It's interesting that you're like finding like a main through line of themes because it seemed to me in the, the credits not the credits the like special features that each studio had a very like 
like direct vision of what they wanted mm-hmm. like independently from each studio yeah so it's interesting that all these studios are pulling like very similar themes mm-hmm. well and like i think it's interesting especially when you look at it from like cultures where like we're going to talk later like where they get into the french revolution or like in this episode where it's the workhouses and things like that it's this cultural trauma of like children like being taken or going through these horrible things so to see that play out in all of these independently is really interesting and i i think that it kind of shows some missed opportunities for star wars a little bit especially when it comes to like finn's storyline with the stormtroopers and how we wanted more of that because that was also children being taken and then there's also all these questions about like you know, with Rey now having a Jedi Order, like, is she also going to be, you know, taking children at a young age to raise as Jedi? Like, how is that going to play out? Because in some of these episodes, like, it was sad to see these children go. Sometimes it was, you know, traumatic. And then others, it was, like, inspiring, like, to see them, like, hear the call. So to see it represented in so many different ways as well was just, like... I, I, I find that just so fascinating. Loved it. So episode three is In the Stars. Um, this comes from Punk Robot, which is from Santiago, Chile. And this one, especially on the second watch, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful animation. Um, I have a lot more, like, love for the short after watching the... Um, extras so they are a family company it's um four founders that are cousins and then they're um partners so um i find it interesting that this story was about sisters like reconnecting with their mother and then this company is founded by family i love that that they they are able to reach into family and find inspiration um they also said that they did 3d animation but they purposefully made it look stop motion like they were animating it in a way to find flaws like they wanted flaws in the animation and i think that's really hard actually i don't have experience with this but i would think that's very hard to do considering that the computer wants to bridge gaps like perfectly when you're putting those in-betweens in and stuff they probably the computer wants to help you in the way that it'll make it streamlined and you're going against that and you're saying, no, actually, I want to make it more random than randomized than that. And I want I want there to be flaws that make it look like stop motion. So that's I love so that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's a lot of work, but really interesting. They also went on a research trip to Patagonia in Chile, which is the um, most south tip of south america Mm -hmm. like all the way at the bottom and they were talking about how this um place is like very hard to live in because of the climate but also it's just it inspired um the isolation of the short i guess and just the the environment Mm -hmm. i yeah and i i feel like that come that comes across so well because one of the things that I love when Star Wars does is it talks about um, the effects that the Empire has on the landscape and, like, on the planets. Mm-hmm. And this episode, like, really demonstrates that. It actually really reminds me of this one episode of Avatar The Last Airbender where Katara becomes the painted lady and, like, helps save, like, the water in this one town. Because that's kind of what they're doing here. 
And we're introduced to the story where the Empire came and these two sisters, their mother, fought back against them. Like she was they they kept saying like she was really strong. So it was like she was a force user and she fought back and their entire village was killed and it just left these two sisters and the older sister obviously wants to be more careful and things like that. And they don't have any water. They're running out of resources. And the younger sister is, like, so, like, sure in the fact that they need to be preserving their ways and their cultures. And yeah. that's, like, through painting. And that's another theme mm-hmm. as well. There's so much, like, there's so much, there's such an emphasis on art in all of these as well. Yeah, and we never saw that, bef- like, since, like, Sabine in Star yeah. Wars. We don't see, like, artists ever. Yeah, and already, like, we're three episodes in and we have two artists, like, two mm-hmm. painters. Um, and I also have to say that this episode was inspired by the native people of Patagonia also. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just, you know, you put it perfectly that this episode is about, um, you know, maintaining and and preserving their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. Well, and when they, they do, you know, free the water and are able to like the the landscape is able to come back. It was so beautiful because they tell the story about how all of their people are now up in the sky. They all became stars and the sky had been blocked out by all of the pollution from like the empire. So once it was gone, they were able to see the stars again. And like my favorite quote was that, you know, we will never be alone because their mother was always shining down on them. And they were able to, you know, repaint their stories and things like that. Like, it was very, very beautiful. And it's paint that can only be seen in the starlight. Like, once the starlight's gone, the paint fades away. And that I, I just, that was so cool. Like, I, I love seeing how they were able to come up with these unique ideas that just aid the story so well. So, episode four is called I Am Your Mother. And this was Ardman, um, which is an in in England, they're the ones who do Wallace and Gromit. Uh, yeah. I will say out of all of these, this one is probably my least favorite. I do think it's really cute and it's really fun. But just <laughs> compared to the others, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I So I ha- I was really excited for this one, too. Um, I just like love stop motion. I don't <laughs> I don't know how to stop animate. I mean, I know like principles and stuff are the same as traditional and everything, but just like the idea that you have to take a photo for every couple frames and you have to meticulously go in and move like limbs or actually like blink the 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 eyes. I know some of that is, you know, converting to being um digital. Like I think for this short they didn't um, animate the mouths physically. That was added in post after. Mm-hmm. So like the same thing with blinks. They can start doing that on the computer. I thought it was interesting that they said the emphasis there was emphasis on British humor, which <laughs> is very like on um, brand for anything that Ardman does. Yes. Um, also, what was interesting was it was directed by um, a Polish woman who is an immigrant to England. And so it was inspired by when they moved and her, you know, wanting to give her kids a good life, put them in a good school, like, and everything, and being, I guess, outsiders mm-hmm. coming from a different country. And I really saw that in this short with, you know, like, the mother being really protective of – hoping that their kid can fit in and everything. 
Yeah, well, and the whole thing about this is that um, the main character, Annie, is in a flight school and they're having a family race, but she's like really embarrassed by her mom. She's made fun of like for their way of life. And I really love that there was never like a moment where the mom was upset that she was embarrassed. Like instead, like the mom is just like, okay, well, we're racing now because I'm here. Like there was never like, I I can't believe you think of me this way or anything like that. Like the mom just immediately like embraces her daughter and it's like, well, I'm going to make the best of it. Like I still want to make you proud. Um, and I'm going to do that by being myself. Like, I, I really like that. That was a brush of fresh air instead of, like, mm-hmm. the daughter having to, like, come around because she felt bad for, you know, making her mother upset. I also want to say I loved the way that they um, made Twi'leks in the Ardman style. <laughs> they were so cute. Yeah. Like, and, like, everything looked very Ardman. Yeah. And I loved how everything translated. Also, the Wookiee. <laughs> The way that the tr- the Wookiee translated it into Ardman style was yeah, great. That was really cute. I love that they decided to make Wedge and Tilly's like a celebrity. <laughs> and he had like merch. Yeah, he had merch. Like it was so bizarre. Like I remember the first time we watched this, I was like, what are we watching right now? <laughs> so that was really interesting. Like it felt very... It, it felt very, like, Rebels. It felt very, like, original trilogy. Yeah. Like, just that well, original, like, vibe yeah, type of feel. Yeah, Annie had a poster of Hera in her room. She did. And they did um, the Ryloth role as well. Like, it yeah. felt very, like, I love that, like, cute. Hera is a hero to her. Like, that's yeah. her hero. That's so cute. It was so adorable. So the other one, the next one has a completely different vibe. Um... This one might be my favorite, mm-hmm. just because the more I watch it, the more it makes me think. So this is called Journey to the Dark Head, and it is um, Studio Muir, which did um, Voltron. No, is it Voltron? Is that the uh, name of it? I don't know. With the robots? Anyway, um, they did Voltron. <laughs> they did some uh, Legend of Korra as well, um, but they're from Seoul, South Korea. And listen... I cannot believe it has taken Lucasfilm so long to give us a conflicted Jedi with white hair. I cannot believe they have not done that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have gotten it now. We have gotten it now. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was for Shannon. No, like I remember so vividly when we were watching it, I was like transfixed. On, on this screen. boy. We were like making bracelets and I was just like staring at this. <laughs> um, so I have some interesting information about this short. Um, obviously, being from in South Korea, we took a lot of um, inspiration from the culture blending like and what's in, what was like inspired for these creators was, you know, blending Korean culture, Star Wars with nature and finding the connection between heaven and earth is what Mm. that they said. And it's set before the Skywalker saga. So like before the prequels, the writer, um, she was a woman who said that, you know, she remembers going to see um, the Phantom Menace with her friends after school one day and was inspired by the prequel. So I love seeing that because it was a lot of uh, original trilogy um, 
fans who who were creators in this but so it was great to see someone who was giving prequels love well and you can um, feel it too because yeah the, our, our white-haired conflicted jedi boy is very anakin mm-hmm. and then also a big theme was about finding faith after losing it um and lucasfilm approached this studio specifically because they love the designs and the way that they stage um the shots like Mm -hmm. the scale of the way that this studio is staging shots just showing like how big the world is and like um just really good cinematography in general well you need that for this because the main like meat of the story takes place on a planet like in a sanctuary where there's these two giant statues and one of the main characters like grew up on this planet like basically in a cult where whenever like the rain falls down between these statues it leaves like prophetic images on the stone and they just record them like they don't do anything about it they just read it they record them whatever and the girl is like we should be doing something like there's a war with the sith right now like it felt very high republic time period we should be doing something not just reading the history so she wants to go out and try to get help and when they come back like with the jedi together and the battle that takes place up in the air where these heads are like on that walkway it felt so huge and like you feel the tension of oh my god they're gonna fall off like type of thing and it's so beautiful like they did such an amazing job and one of my favorite things in this is that they say that both light and dark coexist nothing is set in stone because they wanted to try to cut off the dark head because they're like, oh, that'll solve everything. And then it's revealed that there is no light or dark head. They are both light and dark. So there is no way to cut off the head of the dark side. I love that. That's very like Ryan Johnson of them. It's very <laughs> Ryan Johnson of them. I mean, they do cut off the Sith, the pretty Sith boy's head. Yeah, but, but like <laughs> then little blonde boy is like... <laughs> so you know emotionally changed by that moment he from that he is now both sides is what i took from it like he is now both sides of light and dark and that other sith like was trying to pull him to one side and instead by killing him and by untwining their destinies he's like no i'm i'm both now and the Mm -hmm. way it leaves off like this relationship that we now have between like the mechanic and the jedi like i would love to see like a follow-up like some of these like episodes set up like a tv show yeah like like they set up more to come mm -hmm. and i loved that like i i literally like my last note for journey to the dark head was hot 10 out of 10 yeah i just (laughs) i really liked it and every time i watch it i feel like i pull something else out of it it's just it's so cool and I, i feel like you can really feel anakin in this like if anakin had gone on a journey like this i think things would have gone very very differently like it's just it's so i I love it it's so cool so our next episode i think has become a fan favorite i see this one tweeted about a lot and it's um spy dancer so this is from um, a french company and it's hand-drawn and it is so pretty i i could go on for like so long about how beautiful this short is visually i mean 
from a writer's perspective too, but just like visually, um, you guys got to know that like no one animates like the French. Like France is like incredibly good at hand-drawn animation and does a much better at pres- uh, time at preserving like hand-drawn than like, the States do. I feel like it's kind of dying out in the States, but in France, they're like doing a better job at like continuing the tradition of hand-drawing animation. Um, they So France also animated Tarzan for Disney. They have a really, really good sense of anatomy there, like of drawing human anatomy, like properly and animating it well. Like, I don't know like what it is, but there's a school there called Gobelin and like they're wizards there. It's like, I... I don't understand. So anyways, <laughs> the um, the people who made this short were Gobelin graduates. And I just, the way that every character moved so like seamlessly, like fluidly, but like with perfect designed anatomy. Like this was mm-hmm. like simplified anatomy, but it was like correct, like scientifically right, but like simplified and like designed down um the way that the scarves like the ribbons moved the the timing everything was just gorgeous and i want to rewatch this and just go frame by frame right yeah so good um this short was inspired by the French Revolution. They talked about mo- the Moulin Rouge inspiring the um, like dance house and everything, and, and just architecture in Paris inspiring it. Um, oh my gosh! Like if you're gonna watch any of the extras, watch this one. Yeah. Well, and like the the thing that stands out to me because I love what you said about how like fluidly they move. Mm-hmm. The fact that. Like, this episode was called The Spy Dancer, so, like, we knew it was going to be, like, dancing. But the fact that they chose aerial silks, yeah, like, that was so amazing. And, like, I agree, just the way they choreographed the dance, especially because, like, she's a spy. And so she is, you know, putting, like, trackers, like, on all of these stormtroopers and things like that. And it was choreographed so beautifully, like, it felt very mm-hmm. believable. And what gets me, though, because, like, it's interesting enough that you have basically a imperial-occupied city and we have a small group of people rebelling, but they're still, you know, like, on the outside, it looks like they're part of everything. Like, that's really good. But then when they introduced the fact that, like, she sees this imperial in the crowd and that changes everything because she's like, this is the man that ended my life. Like, this is the man that took my son away from me and she's ready to kill him and then she realizes, this is my son. Yeah, grown up. Like... (laughs) That that he looks exactly like the person that took her son. Like, he has been, you know, forced into this machine and made into the you know her villain her life villain yes well like one of my favorite quotes is like the empire took everything when they ripped you away from me like they took you from me and Mm -hmm. then he grew up to become the very thing that stole him and stole his culture and when he refers to that man as his father like she's physically like 
he's not your father. Like, he he took you. He took your sense of self. They cut his horns off. Like, I'm mm-hmm. willing to bet they took one of his eyes, and that's why he wears an eye patch. Yeah, because, like, they're um, – they both had different color eyes. Because mm-hmm. we saw a picture of the, the kid when he was a baby, and it, or the hologram, you know, and he did have two different color eyes. Yeah, and it was reminding me a lot of um, Chaos Walking, especially the last Mm -hmm. book. Um, There's a lot about the main character becoming, like, the villain and to the point where, like, you almost can't tell them apart, and it felt like that a lot. Yeah. And then my favorite thing, though, is that she fully embraces him. She's like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, you've been brought back to me, and even though, like, he goes back to the empire like she is confident that now like he isn't lost anymore like now she can find her way back to him he can find her way back to her and like it just it gave me like some ben solo and like leia feels yeah like what does it mean yeah what does it mean to take your maternal figure away like at at a young age yeah and that's like chaos walking Right? It's literally like, like chaos walking, mm-hmm. yeah. Or even, you know, Ben leaving to go train with Luke. There was mm-hmm. no maternal figure at Luke's Jedi Academy. Yeah, well, and I think there's something to be said, too, for Ben basically turning into Vader, which is a huge source of trauma for Leia. Like, she never forgave her father. And then to see her son embrace that, I'm sure, was incredibly difficult and that's something that we've always theorized on is that she she never gave up on him. Han gave up on him, which Han has said, but Leia never gave up on him. And I, I really liked seeing that play out in this short. Like, it, it was very, mm-hmm. very, very cool. And again, this one leaves off with, like, oh, there could be more because, like, she put a tracker on him. And, like, could they reunite again? Like, that would be really, really cool mm-hmm. to see. And she gave him a hologram of him when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that, that was just, it's so beautifully done. Like, I can see why people love that one so much because it just, it, it hits you right in the gut, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So our next one is called The Bandits of Galok. I believe. Golak. Golak. Um, This is from um, a company from Mumbai, India. And the main thing that I like about this one is like it, it's beautiful. Like the animation style is very similar to Arcane. Um, and it's very, very colorful. Yeah. Um, Lucasfilm, they like, they also talked about why Lucasfilm ac- approached this studio and they wanted to see you know, India's culture, which is very rich in color and design in the Star Wars universe. And this company, like, took that idea and they just ran with it. And they created this um, new planet, Galak, which is, like, uniquely inspired by Indian culture. Um, that being the environment, the architecture, the um, clothing especially, like just the like delicacy of the way that they um, decorate things and clothing and all of it. Um, I also found it um, interesting that they were talking about Order 66 and how this was inspired by that, but also the fact that the creator is heavily inspired by the prequels, and the original, sorry who was very, very much an original trilogy fan, but they were still, you know, tying it to Order 66. Mm -hmm. Um, 
They also wanted specifically for the main character to be an accidental hero that, you know, the the brother character, um, he is neither good or bad. He has no stakes necessarily in the war, um, but he has love for his sister and love for his family. And that's what drives him and makes him an accidental hero. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that is one of the things about this short is that, like, the brother and sister really are just living in this world, right? And it's just the empire is here. They're just living here. But his sister is force sensitive, so he has to keep her hidden. And she's young and she wants to live her life. And she still is trying to find joy Mm -hmm. in the world. So seeing him trying to provide that for her, like when they're on the train and then playing the game, was really beautiful. Um, This one also brings back that theme of like children being taken because in the end, like she she goes with um, that Jedi woman. Okay, but how cool was that like underwater like entrance to the temple? You know what it reminded me of? What? (laughs) Um, It reminded me of a court of mist and fury when they. Break oh, into the summer court. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought it was so cool, but yeah, it is cool. Totally. Yes, it is really cool. It was really sad though to see. Like, I don't know. It made me feel all kinds of ways. Like, I, I think that a couple of these episodes did that when the Force user is taken, and almost every time in these episodes when the Force user is taken, somebody is left behind and told that they cannot come. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that keeps you wondering is that this um this brother who just like risked everything to get his sister safe now is gonna go live his life like alone like he needs to figure out now what his priority is because his priority was keeping his sister safe now Mm -hmm. what's his job now what's his life gonna be he doesn't have a sister he's alone he has to decide what he's gonna do for himself in the galaxy yeah and i do think that they like their intention in the end was that it was hopeful because um, she leaves his father's flute behind and he does play it at the end, Mm -hmm. which is something that, you know, he didn't want her doing at the beginning. So I I think there is like a hopeful note to it that he is going to like find his way and be all right. But it's just so interesting because he, you're right, like he risks so much to keep her safe. Like he clearly loves her so much. And then she's taken and he is told this is not a path for you. Like, you have to stay here. Yeah. It's very, like, Obi-Wan keeping, you know, Luke and Leia safe. It is. And it's also something that Kevin Scott explores in the higher public as mm-hmm. well, now that I think about it. Um, and it's just, I, I really, really like that. Like, it's, it's very interesting because that could foster feelings of, like, resentment towards the people who took your family or it could just be you know they're on their own path and I have to trust in that I hope that they find each other again I hope they do too because I think that they had a really special bond so we are on the second to last episode Um, this one is called The Pit fitting to be in the pit Um, and this was um, the only Japanese studio which makes sense Um, Mm -hmm. and what stood out to me is that this is the the style from Attack on Titan which is a really popular anime and I think that the concept of this one 
was very, very intriguing. Yeah, I also really recommend watching the extras for this one. So this is the only short out of all of them that began its development process in Lucasfilm. Mm. So all the others, the studios were approached and those studios created a story and pitched it to Lucasfilm. Whereas this was um, one of the employees at Lucasfilm came up with this idea kind of showed it to Athena Portillo and Dave Filoni, and they were really behind him. And they then brought it to Kathleen Kennedy. And Kathleen Kennedy was like, this is great. I think this would fit perfectly into Visions. So then after they started developing it in-house, then they approached a Japanese studio with their idea already kind of fully formed. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting about the studio in Japan is it's the first black-owned Japanese anime studio. Um, and they were saying that, like, only, like, 50% of the employees are actually, um, like, native Japanese people. And it's a very diverse studio in Japan. Um, and the creator, who is Leandre Thomas, who works as, um, he was the writer and the director who works in San Francisco at Lucasfilm, um, was saying that it's about how the, you know, these people that are in the pit, the more that they work, the more that they sink lower into the pit, the rich are being raised higher. So it's that, you know, like, that societal like construct of them doing all this work and getting like poor and the rich getting richer. Mm-hmm. Well, and then in the end, like they, cause these people are, are prisoners that they're forcing to do this. And in the end, like when they reach the bottom, they release them from their cuffs and they're like, Oh, we're done. Like we're, we can go out and we can be part of the society that we helped build. And then they're just left there yeah. by the empire. They're just abandoned. Can't in get this out. Pit. Yeah. Yeah. To die. Literally. It's like you did, they did all of this. They dug up all this Kyber. They made this city so rich and so prosper, like, so it's like prospering, but then they are left there and they are left there to be forgotten and it's interesting because the main character, like, he he manages to climb out of the pit and he tries to go to the city for help. And the city, like, don't believe him. Like, they had no idea that they were even there. Yeah. It was, like, incredibly depressing, I will say. <laughs> it was incredibly depressing. Uh, I mean, the people do eventually, you know, come mm-hmm. and they help them and they pull them out. But I think overall, like, this one was definitely, like, one of the sadder ones because it, mm-hmm. it really looks at the reality of having something like the Empire take over. Yeah. Um, and, like, there were, like, echoes of rebellion. There's even echoes of, you know, the Force and the Jedi a little bit. But it was really just about, like, this hopelessness when you – give everything to something that will never ever care about you it reminded me a lot of canto bite yeah um yeah and all and also the main actor was david diggs in the short Mm, that's awesome yeah that's it's such a, a unique story and to hear about how unique the studio and the voices are behind it as well like it 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 makes a lot of sense it fits very well Mm -hmm. So the last one is called um, Aus Song, and it is from South Africa. And 
arguably, I think this is one of the most unique style out of all of these. Yeah. And that's why when I went to watch the extras, I went for this one first. Yeah. I was like, I need to know all the backstory about this one. Mm-hmm. So I watched this one first. It's done by Triggerfish in Cape Town, South Africa. And Lucasfilm wanted something uniquely African. Um, and they were just like inspired by the landscape of South Africa, of Cape Town because of the mountains and then like the city and the valley and everything. It's such a beautiful place. And they had Cynthia Erivo play the Jedi in this one. And she's going to be our, um, our alphabet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going to be Alphaba. So she played the Jedi, and um, they were talking about how the Jedi um, was in- inspired by someone's family member who is very, like, stoic, but also, mm. like, comedic. And she's able to, like, go between the two very quickly and she'll be <laughs> serious and then, like, funny. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And then they had two locals voice the dad and the daughter. Mm-hmm. Um. And the daughter was actually voiced by two different actresses. One was doing the singing and one was doing the talking. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. I And what really gets me about this is that it it's stop motion, but it's like yarn. Yeah. Like, it's so cute. Okay. This And the studio, I have to say, the studio is in a barn, okay? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, like, on a farm. Like, uh-huh. they're, like, they're, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, sometimes there's, like, cows or whatever, <laughs> like, there. So, like, I find that really interesting that, like, the studio is almost, like, unconventional. And they were saying that, you know, like, we're not located in an animation hub. So we mm-hmm. get to, like, really decide, like, what our animation studio gets to be. So, That's like, so cool. I think that like kind of takes pl- like comes into play into the textures of this too. Is that like we're getting different textures in stop motion than we usually get? Yeah, and one well, just you know like Alu herself, like the way she's created and like the way her face looks, and then seeing the backdrops and everything. You're right. Like it just it feels so different and it looks so different than you ever see like even you know like the other stop motion which was Ardman like it it's so completely different from that mm-hmm. and I love that like I love that they were like yeah we can do a bunch of stop motion and it doesn't all have to look the same and it's really really cool this was so colorful yeah I think this one and the spy dancer are my favorites yeah I, I definitely think that this one is my second favorite after the dark head uh-huh. I think I, I and I love how this little girl has this ability to like heal the kyber mm-hmm. through music well like when I watch it again and I was reading so this one has a crawl like none of the other ones have a crawl yeah and this one is talking about like the Sith came and they corrupted all of the Kyber. So, like, they made the Kyber bleed. Um, and now that they have the Jedi, like, the Jedi are able to purify them because, like, they themselves are harmonious. So when the crystals are in their presence, you know, they'll go back to a harmonious mm-hmm. state. And our, you know, main character lives with her dad and he's one of the miners. And she, like can't talk or like make noises like around the crystal because they like react like very strongly Mm -hmm. and then you see at the end like when she really embraces her voice the reason they're reacting is because she's able to purify like all of them like she herself is so harmonious and attuned with the light that these dark crystals were calling out to her 
for help. Them. help. Yeah. Yes. I love um we see this in the High Republic specifically that like a lot of these Jedi's have a very specific way that they connect to the Force and they have different powers and I like kind of see that as hers is that like she connects to the Force through music. Mhm. Well, just like how the Sith episode showed that connection through like art art yeah. and color visual like, art yeah yes i i think that really shows here and this is another one where you know she's taken to be trained as a jedi but this one feels it's so right yeah she, like like she chose to because well and she was know, given space to think about mm-hmm. it the jedi was like i'm leaving in a fortnight like you have like two weeks to think about it mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like, you have two weeks to think about because the dad was, like, you know, like, this is, like, her life is here. Like, how, why would, like, how could you take her? And I like that she was given that space because on all of the other ones, like, it's it happens in a moment. It's, like, you mm-hmm. either come now or you don't. And this one, like, she got to think about it. She got to say her goodbyes. And uh, to me, like, the theme of this episode is the quote, like, it takes courage to heed the call. Like, she hears these Kybers calling to her. Like, it is her destiny to help you know, restore them to help, like, you know, heal these crystals. And she finds her voice through that and then is able to, you know, travel the galaxy. Like, it felt so right. Like, I I really loved that. I feel confident that she'll see her dad again. I do, too. Out of all of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, this isn't a forever goodbye. Like, I don't know if this takes place, like wait like i don't know when this it, takes it seems place. like it's an alternate something or other like this yeah, feels like a jedi very much like an alternate universe yeah maybe the jedi allow attachments more so she's allowed to you know like <laughs> it's like going to boarding school like she gets to come back for the summer and see her dad that's what it felt like or it, it feels like you know <laughs> instead of that other jedi being stationed here to come in and get shipments like maybe she'll be the one who comes back and yeah. to mm. the dad said like she is going to be the first of their people to go into the stars like, he was so yeah. proud of her. Mm-hmm. It's, that one, like, to me, Sith was such a perfect one to open on, and this was such a perfect one to close on. Totally. As you said, like, even though these all were developed independently and they all had, like, such a strong vision of their story, I still feel like, especially the way that they were placed, you really feel this, just that theme of these children going away, leaving, doing something different, and then that balance of the light and dark. Yeah. Being able to come back, being able to be redeemed. Like, it's like, just, it feels so Star Wars. Yeah, it's like the, you know, lack of choice or choice over one's destiny. Yes. Well, and that's the, the like, the, the line in the first episode is, you know, like, I can paint my own destiny. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's so, it's so beautiful. Like, I, I don't know how they managed to do it, but like, it just, it worked so perfectly. And I, I love that. It's, it's so nice. So like we said, um, we both really love Ao's song and then you, the spy dancer and me, <laughs> the journey to the dark head. <laughs> but I do feel like both of those are like very heavy hitters in terms of emotion. As yeah. Well. <laughs> if we are anything, um, we are sad girls. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that they give us a season three. Like, do you think they will? Yeah. I, it's so good. Yeah, totally. They're so critically acclaimed, too. Like, people just love them. Like, I, mm-hmm. people love this. 
Why wouldn't I, they do it? I'm like desperate for them to take one of these ideas or work with one of these studios and make like a feature length animated film. Yeah. Like I'm desperate for that. I adore Visions. I love watching it. Yeah. And I highly recommend watching it more than once because every time it just adds something completely different and it's mm-hmm. just so so cool and go watch the extras that'll, that's what <laughs> I, i'll say yes i need to go watch the extras uh like i said before our next episode will most likely be jedi survivor i am so excited to finish this game i'm also really excited to talk about it because it's just it's really really something special and then after that i mean star wars has a little bit of a of a break we got a we got a hot Marvel summer coming our way, so we'll see what is in store for us. Uh, but if you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>